Welcome to Seoul Conversations, a podcast where two Korean adoptees unpack what it means to be Asian and adopted by discussing culture, race, history, and sharing adoptee stories. I'm Shanae. And I'm Benny. This week, we're spilling the tea about our dating lives and relationships as adoptees and Asian Americans. But first, Benny, anything exciting happened this past week? Yeah, I, I think this is, a, I feel like this is a topic conversation right now, but I got my first shot yeah. on past weekend. So not to be controversial about anything like that, but I was excited for it. And if people choose to get it, then that's your choice. But I was definitely excited to get one half of the Moderna. No side effects, just a little sore, ouchy arm. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but other than that, it was all good. So I'm, I'm ready to get back into the swing of things. How about you? I know. I got mine too. And I also got the Moderna. Same thing. No side effects, but kind of a wicked sore arm. Definitely. If you're, if you're going to get it, don't get it on the arm. That's the side that you sleep on. (laughs) Yes. It'll make your life a little easier. Are you a side sleeper? Because I actually had issues sleeping too that night. I'm normally not, but pregnancy has forced me into side sleeping because if you sleep on your back, when you're as far along as I am, you the baby pushes on your, I don't know if it's like an artery or a vein or something and you can't breathe. So you wake up (laughs) short of breath with like heart palpitations. So you're not supposed to sleep on your back. You're supposed to sleep on your side. Oh my gosh. So all the fun things. But now that we're both (laughs) half vaccinated, maybe we'll soon be able to actually record in person a few times. We've been doing it remotely from our respective houses, but maybe we'll be able to do like a joint episode where we eat some food or I don't know. You'll have to come to Denver. We'll have to visit some uh, Korean hotspots. I have to try out some. So we should get together and do some Korean food. Yeah, I just saw an article. There's a new drive through Vietnamese coffee and bubble tea place by you that just oh. opened up. It's in an old Dairy Queen and it's been endorsed by several Asian women that I am connected with on Facebook. So I'll get that info to you and you'll have to check it out for me. Yes, please do because I, okay, so I hear a lot about bubble tea. I don't know what it is, but I need what? to try it. I hold on, hold on. It. You've never had bubble tea? <laughs> I need to have it. I can't, I don't know what to tell you. I just, you know, so if this place has it and I'm going to try it, I'll give you my review. Okay. So what is it? We have a bunch of things to really talk about, but before we go there, I do want to know what is, no, this is, tea? this is important. <laughs> you, need, <laughs> you need to know. <laughs> so it's tea and there are different kinds that you can get. Daniel likes the green tea base and you can get different flavors. I usually get the passion fruit or the lychee flavor. I think he gets yep. like the strawberry flavor. But then there are also the milk teas that have black tea and milk. But you can get slushy ones. There are more smoothie consistency ones. But then they're they're called bubble tea because they, if you get them with bubbles or boba, they're little tapioca balls at the bottom. Boba, Um, that's what it is. That's what I see. Yeah, or you can get, I get usually get boba in the fruit jelly. Sometimes they're in fun shapes or whatever, but they also can be flavored. Or you can get popping boba. That's what I've seen on the Instagram. Yeah. I can't believe you haven't had it. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm, I feel ashamed. I shouldn't even told you, but I'm going to visit that place and then I'll give you my five-star rating. We should have people donate money to get you your first bubble tea. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cause people care that much about me. I'm for sure. I'm sure that's going to raise zero dollars. They might care that you haven't had it yet. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe other people are equally as excited for me to try it first, but 
I'll, I'll let everyone know. You'll have to record <laughs> yourself for it for the Instagram and put it on video with your first bubble tea initiation. I think I could be a good food reviewer. I eat a, I eat a lot of greasy foods lately, so um, I feel like I could do some drive throughs Be good. I now eat in my car. <laughs> do you like diners, drive throughs and dives, Asian edition? Sign me up. I can do it. <laughs> I, could, I think I could be a professional eater. If, if that was a calling, I would answer it for sure. Good to know. But... <laughs> that's, that's something you can put on your dating profile page. There you go. It hasn't been, I haven't dusted off my profile page in like two years, so- We'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, though, Shanae, I would love to hear how you were in high school when you oh started gosh. dating. What kind of person you were? Were you awkward? Were you confident? Did you get anyone that you wanted? You know, what, what, what were you like? I was so awkward. I was so, I guess, I, I don't want to call it nerdy because I don't want to do the whole Asian stereotype thing, but... I liked learning. I hated school, but I liked learning. I was a band kid because I play violin. I started when I was four, but when I was in fifth grade, I started clarinet because there was no orchestra. So I was all about band. I felt like it was the place that I fit. I think just that way to connect with people through music was really great. So I was like Mm -hmm. always in the band room. I used to skip class (laughs) to go... Your parents um, are listening. They already know. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Um, So I graduated high school a year early, and I had double the course load because I was trying to cram in my credits my junior year so I could graduate that year instead of taking out a senior year. That meant that I didn't get a lunch. So I had permission to leave the Spanish block a little bit early or show up a little bit late or whatever to get lunch. But a lot of times I just didn't go to Spanish class and I (laughs) would go to the practice rooms because the rest of my friends had lunch, but I would forge the orchestra conductor's signature because her initials were SR and I had to have a pass. But my initials, anytime I need to initial somewhere is my high school orchestra teacher's signature for her initials because I traced it so many times and my initials are also SR that... (laughs) That's, oh, that's they are. been my, yeah. yeah, that's been my consistent <laughs> um, initial signature. It's, it's hers, essentially. It's from forging all those passes in high school. But going back to dating, I was, I would say, like a serial dater in high school. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, like I didn't date the most popular people, but I always dated, they were always band people. It was just kind of how it was. But my first serious boyfriend I met in community orchestra He went to the high school I ended up at, but when we met, we weren't in the same district. And he was kind of the first boyfriend for quite a while. It was like two, two and a half years. You said that you were kind of like a punk emo person, right? In high school? Still am, still am. No, okay. (laughs) Quick, quick sidebar. Two questions. One, do you still play uh, instruments? Not, not boys. And then two. two, I was like, I'm uh, married. <laughs> and then, and then two, you could never be president. First of all, because you and I can't be president in the United States. We aren't natural born citizens. Correct. Fun fact. But if you ever ran, they would come back to this podcast and they would have so much dirt on you for forgery. I can't I even know. believe it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I was playing violin quite a bit when we still lived in Boston before we moved out to Colorado in 2019. 
but actually both my husband and I play violin. That's how we met. Um, oh, but neither of that. us have, yeah, neither of us have played <laughs> in the last probably two years. We were just talking about how we need to get both our instruments serviced to make sure that they're in working condition, but Preach. we just haven't. And I haven't played clarinet. I was part of the Longmont community band for a while, but then we had to shut down because of COVID. But I post baby, that. hopefully, we'll get back yeah. into music. Yeah. I played the cornet, the trumpet in middle school. I played a little piano. So my mom said I begged her to have piano lessons, but I feel that she made me. So there's conflicting stories about that. Mm. But I had to wake up like at six o'clock in the morning before school, like when I was in third grade, was not happy about that. For lessons Um, or to practice? For lessons. Yeah. I know. I know. Thanks, mom. Built character though. Uh, and then I and I picked up. Uh, this is come first full circle, but I picked up guitar on my own because I just loved music so much, like listening to like Rage Against the Machine and all those bands. I actually played guitar in church for a while, but yeah, I think in high school I had a lot of activities, uh, including like playing guitar. I thought that was. <laughs> I don't know if it was good to girls, but I think it helped maybe a little bit. But uh, I always felt like I was pretty easy going. We had a lot of clicks in our small town of 1,200 people. Um, our whole high school was from ninth grade to 12th grade. That was like 180 kids, one hallway, really, really small. So with that being said, there's still a lot of clicks, but I felt like I could jump around from each of them and played sports all year round. So I felt that helped me out with, with being social with people. So yeah, I felt uh, I had a couple of relationships in high school and I I think the interesting part of that was um, they were all white, but there was always times where we would go out to a bigger city like Madison or Milwaukee for something. Maybe it was a sporting event uh, or just going out with friends. And if if we ever ran into another Asian girl, all my friends were like, Benny, you should go for that girl. And it's just like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, okay, Todd. But it's just like always that looking back on all that stuff that was weird just because there's another Asian within the state of Wisconsin that we immediately were attracted to each other. But I was always attracted more towards white girls because one, that was really the only option in Wisconsin. And two, I I hit on this before in other episodes, I was still kind of really uncomfortable with identifying as Korean and having that be part of me. So any nomenclature of me going out with another Asian woman just solidified that. And I just stayed away from that. So it's, that's changed now over the years, but yeah, I had a, I had a few serious girlfriends in high school and other, I'll just put it, just put it this way, like romantic relationships with other people. But I never really thought at that time of having an interracial relationship or only dating white women that really didn't, hit me because maybe I was just ignorant of the small town I was in. And maybe I just didn't understand the magnitude of that time. But I don't know, has any of those concepts ever crossed your mind or anything else that you see now that, you know, was something you didn't realize in high school? Yeah, I mean, I, I've only dated white men. And I think to what you were saying, I mean, my high school wasn't as small as yours, we averaged probably 300 people per grade. And there was diversity, but not not a ton. But I think, at least just in my immediate social circles, there wasn't really any diversity. 
And I think subconsciously, it was just what I was comfortable around. You know, it's not like I had a conscious thought of, oh, if I date somebody who's Asian from an Asian family, I'm going to go to their house for dinner and feel uncomfortable or like not know what to do or, you know, that imposter syndrome, like I'm going to be found out. It's not something that I consciously thought of, but I'm sure it played a role. I do remember, though, saying to one of my friends, I think in college, because she had just asked, why do you always date white guys? And I was like, I don't know. And also, I wasn't really one to ask other people out. I was the one that would get asked out. And then that's how like a relationship would form. I wasn't outgoing in that sense. So it was also that I wasn't asked out by anyone who wasn't white. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Oh, but I remember saying to her that sometimes I would forget that I was Asian when I was hanging out with whoever I was dating. And then when I looked at pictures of us, because some of the guys that I dated, even though they were white, they had dark brown hair or black hair and dark brown eyes, you know, and there were very few that I dated who were blonde haired, blue eyed. And part of it was when I would look at pictures of us, it just would almost shock me a little bit every time to see like how different we looked. Whereas I felt like I blended in a little bit more if they had darker features, which sounds super weird. But I, I just remember having that conversation with her when I was 19 or 20 years old. That's so crazy. Because as you were saying that, I've never thought about that. But when it came out, just now, I just had like an epiphany. I felt the same way. Oh, really? I think, yeah, for sure. Like, I'm just realizing it now. There was many times where I felt like I was a white person dating another white person and then seeing yourself in photos. This is when photos were printed out. Yeah. And I don't know if they, I don't know if printed out was, is the right word. So people who are in the camera business don't write us letters. But uh, yeah, we'd see the, you would see the photos and you're just like, wow, I totally different, totally different. So yeah. I, I, I get you on that. I think it's also interesting. I only went out with white people in college as well, and even in my adult life. But I, when I moved to Colorado, there was a few reasons why. One of them was, I think I was just fed up with the dating scene in Wisconsin. Uh, that's a very broad brush. Sorry. Maybe in, just in my general area. But I think part of it was just due to where I just felt like there wasn't connection after a while. And hopefully coming to Denver would give me an opportunity to start dating other people who look like me and see how that would work out. And I think like the first months that I got here, I was literally busy catching up with friends for like two months straight. And then I'm finally like, I need to start like getting on like the online dating app things. And 2018 was the first time I ever went out with someone who was not white. So and I think that was a very interesting time for me because I was trying to maybe make that connection, specifically not with the white person, just to see if there would be any difference. And at one point in time, I literally was trying to look up or search apps that were just like dating Asian women. And oh, no. anything that would pop up would just be fetishization. Oh, so yeah. Like, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about, yeah. No, we'll talk about more of that later, but it's just it's just disappointing that that was the thing that popped up. But my first date with this girl, I can I can talk about her now because it's been a while, and we don't we don't keep in touch anymore. But she was first generation American, and that was interesting to me because even though we looked similar and maybe had that in common, I could not relate to a lot of her culture and heritage because I still have a lot of that white culture in me, where I, what I grew up on. 
So I always thought that it was interesting too, from my perspective, that that's the thing too, as well, where I couldn't run across that. But funny enough, I was working in the service biz for a little bit at a um, a really fast paced cocktail place. And I served her like a year later at a table. I don't know if she ever remembered me, but uh, she was with someone else at the time. So I'm like, okay, good. I think it was nuclear, but it was just funny to uh, serve her like at a like nine o'clock on a Tuesday. But I always thought like maybe that was the solution to maybe find a deep connection was to maybe start dating other women that look like me. But, you know, I did find out quickly that there's a lot more to that than just looks um, looking alike. Yeah. And like you had said that you felt like you couldn't relate to her culture and listening to you say it, I don't necessarily interpret it as you have to date somebody where you can relate to their culture. I guess what I kind of hear is that particularly dating somebody from an Asian culture, it's a little bit different or maybe difficult. It unearths a lot of stuff for us because there's, Mm -hmm. you know, this feeling that that should be my heritage in a way or sort of similar to my heritage. I don't really know anything about it. So it's, it's different. There are plenty of interracial relationships where people's cultures are completely different, but I think it's important to point out, like, it's just that personal baggage piece of being an Asian adoptee and trying to date somebody from a more traditional Asian family that it's, it's that kind of mix. Not that, you know, we only want to date white people. And I think it's also worth pointing out that we're having this conversation as cis heterosexual male and female. I think that's important to acknowledge, too, that some of the things that we say, particularly when we get into fetishization and that kind of stuff, that's the perspective that we're coming from. Agreed on that. And and to your point earlier on, you articulated it much better than I did, but I 100% agree that's what's going through my head. You know, maybe not consciously, but subconsciously. And, you know, I've dated a lot and there's been some ups and downs just like everything else. And I also think too, it's like I'm an independent person. Some people say I have high standards, but I feel like I'm an independent person who doesn't need to date all the time. But damn, sometimes it would be nice to have someone else help me put on a fitted sheet on the bed sometimes. Like (laughs) it's the hardest thing ever. It's like, that's a two person job. And also help me eat the kale in my fridge because- I don't know about, you've been, you haven't been single for a while, but eating kale for one person is not doable in a week. So <laughs> I think. Well, I can tell you, I mean, I haven't been single in a while, but I also just don't eat kale. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I've tried good. it. I, I understand that it's good for you. And especially with pregnancy, everyone's, you know, push the nutrients, help the baby out. And that's, that's a hard no for me. So I would say yeah. my advice would be don't wait to get a girlfriend, but if you don't like it, just stop <laughs> buying it. Yeah. Put it in smoothies. That's the trick. Oh, Can't taste as much. I don't know. Um, <laughs> have you, uh, did you ever dabble in the online dating? I did. Oh, man. Online dating is, so I <laughs> I will say that my husband and I, even though we met playing violin, we connected and started dating years later because we matched on OkCupid. So I will say that. Wow. Um, See, didn't know that either. So, you know, it, it does work, but I will say that online dating as a female is scary, but online dating, I think as an Asian female, particularly it's terrifying. Like so many gross human beings come out of the woodwork. Oh man, you realize that 
that men have thoughts that you didn't even think were humanly possible. It's gross. Yeah, I think it's been a mixed bag for me for online dating. I know like we would go to maybe a baseball game with my buddies post-college or in college. I can't remember when Tinder came out. It's been so long. So it's probably post-college and all of us were single and, you know, we would go to a different town and pull up the app and see what's around just for fun. But I know a lot of my friends who are white would just get like 25 matches and I would get like one or two. And partly I thought because I was Asian and different was part of it. But now I'm thinking out loud. It's like probably because I'm not that good looking. <laughs> that's Am not I, true. I don't, I don't know. I'm just giving myself a hard time. But I did have good looking friends. So that's partly the reason why. <laughs> but I do feel it's just harder to connect on an online format because I don't know. I, I think the preferences for a lot of people probably is white male. And I was reading to... I would need to pull up the article, but even women from Asian backgrounds are starting to prefer more of the Western looking men. So I always thought like that was a hindrance to me, but I think that was something that was always on top of my mind, but I've, I've had success in it, but it's terrible and horrible to think that um, you have to go through that. And it kind of hits on to other point too, when I started looking on apps specifically to make connections with other Koreans that only fetishization sites popped up. Mm-hmm. Was your online dating limited to Tinder? And I know Tinder has kind of changed, but I feel like when it first came out, it was strictly for hooking up with people. I've never used Tinder just because I felt like that was really just asking for all of the horrible, gross, creepy comments. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but did you ever use any like other, you know, like an OkCupid that was more for dating? And did you put that you were an adoptee in your profile? No. <laughs> uh, I think that would be too much to unpack. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe people would think that's interesting, but I never put that in there. I always I always try to compete with the habitat around me. So mm-hmm. putting things on that I knew people who were on that app liked or had preferences for. But I still feel like I was true to myself. And what was your first question? Oh, if you used other platforms besides Tinder. Yeah. So when Tinder came out, that was like the only thing. So I was on there. I have tried out OkCupid for a little bit. Then Bumble came around and then Hinge. So I've been on all of them like here and there sporadically, but it's never been something long term I'm ever really serious about. How soon into dating somebody does your adoption come up? Like how soon do you have to say the words Uh, I'm adopted? (laughs) Yeah. It's it's usually like the first date. Same thing. Do you have the same thing? Yeah. Zero with date. I'm adopted has to come out of my mouth at some point in conversation. Okay. Tell me, you tell me why first. I think because the natural questions that you ask to get to know someone always lead to you feeling the need to just word vomit. I'm adopted. Like if they ask, oh, what do your parents do? Or do you have siblings or anything relating to family? I just have to go back to that. Or even when they find out my last name or something and realize that it's not Asian. And it's funny because usually there's an awkward pause and a look. You can tell that they want to ask, are you half Asian? You can see the wheels turning in their head that something's not computing. And you just so desperately want to save them from the uncomfortability. (laughs) (laughs) And just say, you know, I'm adopted, not a big deal. But (laughs) let me just help you out. That answers all the questions you're thinking right now. (laughs) Um, No, my very first words when I meet a girl on day is, hi, my name is Bonnie. I'm adopted. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. It's not. 
But yeah, I would 100% agree with everything you said there. <laughs> when you mentioned the last name thing, they're like, "What? what's that? Or um, they'll say, I, you sound American or you dress like you're an American. What's your deal? Or like you don't have an accent. Yeah. Or do uh, you speak, I, do you speak whatever? And there's always yeah. the like, where are you from? No, where are you yeah. really from? No, yeah. really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get a lot of that. And when I tell them I was raised, <laughs> either I say one of two things, either I say I'm raised, I was raised in Wisconsin in a small like town and they're like, oh, that doesn't track. I thought you were going to be from somewhere else, like a big city. Or it's just like I was adopted and then raised in Wisconsin. So it comes out usually right away just by factor of elimination of what questions they're going to ask. And like, I get the thing too. I know you don't have siblings, but they'll ask if I have brothers or sisters. And I'll be like, I have a brother and sister. And they ask me more about them. And then, you know, it's kind of hard not to point out that dynamic. But that usually comes out on the first day because small talk, you know? I remember I went on this date with this guy from OkCupid. And I I think it was at a point where I had gone on, you know, so many, I call them zero with dates, like the coffee date, yeah. zero pressure. It's like the pre, pre-dinner or pre-drinks date. And I was just kind of getting sick of the whole thing, but I had said yes. And we decided to meet up in Boston and it was a Sunday afternoon and we were going to go get brunch. And he rode his bike to the date. Like a motorcycle? No, like a bike bike, like a, like a bicycle. (laughs) Good Um, for him. Which (laughs) totally fine. I get it. Like it's healthy. Great. But it was, it was August in Boston. So he gets there and he's dripping in sweat. I was and just he goes gonna to say, give me a hug. Yeah, like, oh. and I feel bad. You know, I what are you gonna do? But it just was not, I guess, in my head initially, the greatest call on his part. But I just didn't have it in me to have the like, adopted conversation to get into all of it. And we're talking. And first of all, he was from the Midwest, so he called me Darlin, which also rubbed me the wrong way. I'm not like a. Wait, don't give us that. That's not us. That's like the South. I feel <laughs> okay. But anyways, yeah, yeah. I didn't say that I was adopted. He didn't ask what kind of Asian I was, which, you know, usually comes up. Mm. So he's like, oh, well, let's go hang out in your neck of the woods. And I'm thinking, how do you know where I live? And then as we're walking, we got a couple more blocks. And I realize that he's walking in the direction of Chinatown. Yeah. So I follow along and... I'm like, oh, like we're heading to Chinatown. He's like, yeah, I feel like we, you know, can hang out where you're comfortable. He takes me to this Chinese bakery and he's expecting me to direct him like, oh, these are the best things or yeah. I'm like, oh, whatever. So we pick up some things and then he's like, well, do you want to go see a movie? He's like, there's this movie that I really want to see. And I'm like, okay, we'll get out of this uncomfortable mode and and we'll just kind of go back to, to normal date mode. The movie, I don't even remember what the title is, but it's this Kung Fu movie. I was just going to say, oh my. This movie was so gory. There was just blood everywhere. Like, it was quite the experience. Oh my gosh. Well, I know you mentioned too in a different conversation that you've came across instances where you maybe went on dates that men were looking only to date Asian women or that was their preference only. Has that been an experience for you? Yeah, I guess a non-funny fact is, aside from my husband, every single person that I've dated has made some kind of 
comment about me being Asian. And it started with that first guy that I dated in high school. He used to pick apart my features and he would list, oh, you know, you don't have a Korean nose. It's more of a Japanese nose. And he would brag to his friends. And I remember because I transferred into his high school, my first day of class, I walked in, it was earth science. And I walked into the room and there was this kid and he loudly he said he was like oh you're Shanae you're so-and-so's girlfriend like he talks about you all the time he's like I've just got to say I've got a girlfriend but I'll happily dump her because Asian ass is the best yeah but that relationship in particular I think shaped a lot of my self-image because I definitely would dress very provocatively I think in high school and led with that sexual foot because in my mind as someone who felt so self-conscious about their Asian features to have somebody almost compliment me even though that's not what they were doing at all I was like oh well if they play up my sexuality or sensualness or whatever then that's what people want so that's what I'll promote self-image wise but every single person that I've dated has either made comments about me being Asian usually about parts of my body being better Um, Or making comments about, oh, once you go Asian, you can't go back. Or I find out that they have dated other Asian women or then after me have dated Asian women. Yeah, it's just been like a consistent thread. And my husband was so refreshing because he never made comments like that. And I remember that maybe a month or so into dating, I went back through his Facebook and looked at all his pictures like a total psycho. And found a picture no, of her. No, normal person. Everyone, <laughs> everyone snoops. Everyone snoops. Let's I, be real. Yeah, okay. But I, I found <laughs> a picture of him with his ex-girlfriend because he only had like one long-term serious relationship of like six years before he and I started dating. And she was from high school. And I looked at the picture and my heart just sank because she was multiracial And there was just something about her that like, I was like, I think that she's at least part Asian. Mm -hmm. And he had never said anything about it. And like I said, he never made any of those fetishized or sexualized comments about me being Asian. And I remember just thinking like, oh my God, he has yellow fever too. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it. And I said, you know, is your, is your ex part Asian? And he was like, oh yeah. Like her mom was, I forget, you know, Japanese or something. And her dad was black. And he was like, why are you so upset. It wasn't even on his radar of why it was such a triggering thing for me. And then I had to explain to him, which I think shows that he truly was not coming at dating me from that place. But I remember having that conversation with him. Are you sure you're not just dating me because I'm Asian? And it took a while for him. He had to work really, really hard to convince me that he really could care less (laughs) if I was Asian or not. Play a tough game. Play a tough game. Yeah. Well, now we're married, so it's fine. (laughs) So you're about to have a baby girl. Have you ever thought eventually you might have to have conversations about dating, but they might be different than what your parents talked about? Yeah, I think about talking to her. And I think maybe it's not quite as overt as men are going to fetishize you because you're going to look part Asian. But, you know, making sure that we have conversations. And I think it's important that it's as a family and not just me about consent and boundaries um, and self-worth and things like that. We've gotten a lot of people that are parents of transracial adoptees or thinking about it. And I hope people just realize that, you know, there might be have different conversations that uh, might go deeper than, you know, just as something that our parents told us or didn't tell us. Just thinking about my sister and her family too. And, and I think about 
some people I know that have um, mixed babies and hope everyone's okay and that they have good quality conversations around that. Yeah. Well, and even I think I'd love to hear more of your perspective of being an Asian male, because there are, I would say, equally as many stigmas and stereotypes surrounding Asian masculinity, kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum, I feel like, is the fetishization of Asian women. Yeah, I think that's partly why online dating is a little more difficult, just because you have to make a snap reaction to like photos and like a couple seconds of reading. And I think what's made me more excited in the past couple of years is um, the representation of Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders in media and, and then, you know, pop culture. Because when I was growing up, a lot of men were seen as just what you talked about. The, the one that, you know, didn't get the girl or the one who was doing nerdy stuff and bad drivers or whatnot. And I think it's refreshing to see, you know, especially the movies that came out recently, um, just explore more uh, Asian men and an actual real Asian men, and especially in lead roles or in things people care about, like music, business owners and professionals that are doing great things. I feel that's been changing that perception a lot. So like it or not, I'm riding that wave out just because I feel, you know, Asian men have a lot to offer, but I feel like there is a lot of barriers and stigma around that too. So it's been interesting, but I think what I have gotten out of my dating successes and failures is that a lot of my friends are just like, you know, you just, just got to go for it and, you know, they'll like you. But it's like, it's a long game for me. I, there's a lot more to unpack and I'm not going to be able to just like pick anyone up at the bar like a lot of my other friends might be able to, which is totally fine. I prefer to chit chat and bullshit with my friends anyway, rather than trying to pick up girls if we're being honest. But I think the biggest thing is just being able to really work on myself and be authentic to myself and really appreciating who I am has really made me maybe a better person for myself and my partner. And I really think that's due just to learning a lot about myself and how people perceive me and going through a lot of failures. So eventually someday, you know, I'll settle down. But for now, I will stick to putting on the sheet by myself. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'm so glad that we met because I think it's important to have a voice from a woman because of the differences that we have between man's experiences and a, ma a woman's experiences. We're hoping that other people can listen to and have important conversations around that. And I agree. And I think it's great too, to hear your perspective because some of the other Korean adoptee and Asian adoptee moms that I've been talking to who are now having children around the same time. And we talk a lot in our circle about what do we do? Kind of like what you asked when we talk to talk to our kids and we as females, you know, know how we would talk to our daughters about things. But we were all saying for those of them, especially who have male children, or at least for now, male children, they were saying how they really wish that they had more perspectives and guidance from Asian men on how to navigate desexualization of their sons and things like that. So I think that not that the female perspective isn't important, but I think that yours is definitely as important to be shared and talked about. Yeah. And I appreciate that comment. And I think like what you mentioned earlier too, you know, we're, we're going to have more guests on the show, but uh, we would love to see and hear other people's experiences who may not identify as heterosexual or a certain gender. So our lines are always open for that conversation as well. Mm hmm. Definitely. 
So Benny, if somebody is listening and they want to reach out because they think that you sound exceptionally charming and want to want to go on a date, what is your <laughs> what is your ideal non-covid, but what is your perfect <laughs> first date? Oh, my perfect first date? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I try to look into what her interests are for sure on the profile from what I can gather. I would go on a hike. They would instantly find out how out of shape I am and how quickly I would get out of breath. That's another episode. But that's a great <laughs> setting for like a cute hike. You know what I mean? Like hike yeah, yeah. in quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would definitely do that. Like a like a brewery, do some yard yard games, stuff like that. I don't know. <laughs> for a second, I thought you were going to say yard work. I'm like, that's not cute. <laughs> yard work? Mm. Yeah. I mean, like I said, no, I'm just kidding. I, I don't know. I, I think I'd something more active with yeah. good conversation. And usually I don't have an issue. I could talk for hours, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. What would you be? What's your ideal date? And did Daniel pass? I don't think I have an ideal date. Daniel did pass. I got to skip the zero with date. We went out for drinks and then we ended up going to Starbucks afterwards. Was it in a group? No, it was just the two oh, of us. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Interesting. Good for you. Good for him. I'm I'm glad that, I'm glad that you all made it work out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've met Danny. He's a great guy. Yeah. We'll all hang out because yay vaccines. <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you everyone for joining us this week. Glad that you could be part of this conversation. And we look forward to having you again next week. Bye everyone. Bye.